yet another episode of Stand Up. I love up. the fact that when we're getting ready to do this, that our guest picked up on you trying to pretend you can see without your glasses. I can see without my glasses. Oh, please. I, uh... If you could see without your glasses, you would have never dyed your hair that color. <laughs> Are you going to introduce the guy? I am natural. My name is Peter Bales. This is Jackie the Joke Man Martling. Our podcast is called Stand Up Memories. And what a guest we have coming directly from what looks to be his bedroom in New Jersey. Incredible comedian, Mike Egan. Not only Mike Egan, and his collection of hats. His collection of hats. Oh, yeah. A tie, a belt hanging from the closet, and I see a pair of crotchless panties, which we'll get to later on in the podcast. You still wear them. They're mine. <laughs> yes. It just makes it so show. much easier at the urinal, you know? <laughs> just boom, you're right there. Hey, Mike, yes, what sir. year did you start in stand-up? Uh... 1820. No, uh, let's see. Started stand up 1979. 79, right? Right when I yeah. started. Good That's for you. a sweet spot for most of us. That's a great, yeah. great. I didn't get to New York until 80, 81, January of 81. I got to New York, but I was started out in Philly. Yeah. Started out in Philly and got to doing, New York. doing radio and, and comedy at the same time down there. Right now, Mike is also a radio guy. And when you were doing radio, guy. was it at the same time? Were you like uh, uh, working against John DeBella? Was he your competition, or were you on Actually, his? No, uh, DeBella came. He was on um, um, FM. Uh, I I was on WPEN AM nine fifty, which at the time was an oldie station. I think now it's a religious foreign language station or something. But uh, I, I wasn't with DeBella. No, he was there after I was. Those those were the great days. But I think I worked more in Philly than I worked in New York. The days yeah. of the Comedy Factory outlet, sure, yeah. Comedy Works, and Bananas, bananas. And Comedy Cabaret. My God, there was all those gigs, and there was so much fun. Jesus, they're down to two two now in Philly. Uh, they got the Punchline, which is predominantly uh, a black comedy stand up club, and uh, we have the. Uh, uh, Helium? What's, what's left in Philly? Helium. Helium. Yeah. I can't say that I remember that because years ago I was doing some kind of autograph show. A guy came up and said, me and my brother are starting a new club in Philly. I can't wait for you to work. And it. it's going to be called Helium. Never heard from the guy again. I've never been booked there. I can't get across the street with these guys. <laughs> but that punchline, it's still the same place on South Street, right? I don't know. I've worked helium several times. I never worked a punchline, so I don't know. I don't. Uh, I what was it called? I don't know if that's what it was called, but I know I recorded my first CD down there, and that was a a great, great club, man. Before it became a black club, it was like it was just killer, you know. When when you say black club, it became a predominantly black audience after I think it had closed down for a while. But that was a you know. I was probably up move? in New York. Why'd you move from Philly to New York? A better place to be a comedian? Yeah, then... well, like I said, I was doing radio and comedy down here, and it was just at that time the natural progression. You know, you'd go to New York or go to LA. So I went to New York. And, now, uh, what do you remember about what Jackie and I, I think, agree on this? The greatest comedy club of anywhere at any time in New Jersey. In West Orange, Rascals. What oh, you, yeah. What is Rascals to you? 
Well, uh, I used to, I had my best success at the Rascals down by the shore. I mean, that to me, that was the most explosive club. But Rascals in West Orange, I, I hosted the Rascals Comedy Hour for about a year and a half. I was the host of the show. I think you did it for a while, Jack. I did it for After, like after you, I followed you there, and Rascals really was the best. But it was. the laughs were much more explosive at Rascals by the shore. They just yeah, yeah. were. And I don't, you know, it seemed like it was a, like Rascals was so big and the show was the same, only a little packed in a little in the, they would go crazy down there, yeah. you know. Uh, same thing in West, they were laughing coming down the steps. I mean, that, that, those shows were always great. You couldn't get a bad show in West Orange or down by the shore, either one. Was, we had, uh, Danny, it was we had Danny McKenna. We had Danny McKenna on and he was, you know, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, and he was a pip, you know. Oh, Dan, the best thing about Dan, he had this, I don't think I ever told him this, but he had this, such a thick Jersey accent when people would come down and he would seat the people. He would have this saying, follow me, follow me. He meant follow me. All he would <laughs> say is, follow me, follow me. <laughs> what the hell? Follow me? What's follow me? But he got his point across, I guess. You are he was so level. If the Pope walked down those stairs, he'd say, you, follow me. Follow me. To our viewers and listeners, we had Danny McKenna on our podcast. Oh, really? And we have a library of our shows, StandUpMemories.com. You can go and you can see season one, season two, season three. We're now in season four. Look up our shows with Danny McKenna, the quintessential manager of a comedy club, who made that club work, really, I think. He sure did. He ran that place, man. And he would tell right. people to shut up. And he was a short guy. Yeah. And he, he told was... people 6'4 to shut up. He, he was not afraid of anybody. Yeah. No, he was 5'6 standing on his tippy toes. So, uh, yeah, he... <laughs> And that was early on. That was like 81, 82 or something like that. Yeah. And I remember Rick Messina just coming and say, hey, we're going to start a show at this at this basement in uh, New Jersey. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And it wound up being just the greatest, you know. It was. Just... Yeah. And the brothers, of course, uh, all of the them. Magnusons. Uh, the Magnusons. The Magnuson brothers. It, all except the mysterious guy who never showed up. He was the one brother who wasn't a part of the whole thing. He was a, he was a lawyer. And one of the brothers passed, as you probably know. Yeah, yeah Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And he was... Yeah. He was they were all nice guys, but he was, he was the he nicest. Was, he was, he was a, too a, nice really for show business. Good guy. Yes, he really, really good guy. Absolutely true. Yeah, he was too nice. He was a good guy. Hey, Mike, you know, we have yes. a lot of fun on this podcast. You've had so many good shows in your life. Think back about the exceptions when things went wrong. Do you look, do you find that funny now? Do you have any shows that went absolutely off the rails? And why they go off? What, what, you know, because ninety nine point nine percent of the time the shows are great. Peter does this to every. We have all these guests that are so good and so talented. And he says, "Tell us about the time you suck." Because that's what comedians do when they get together. And at the that's diner. and that's what's interesting. I agree with him. Because, I, just, because, I hate to agree with him. Yes, thank you. That's <laughs> well, actually I have to. In, in all honesty, I'd have to. I'd have to say uh, it, it was the audience's fault. <laughs> absolutely I mean, you know really absolutely. no i have uh there's been a few times there was uh i was grateful to get out of there without being physically harmed there were you know i think we probably faced that but guys in the audience uh you think you're tough you're tough you know and 
wanted a physical confrontation and uh, I was lucky to avoid those, but I, I ran out of it. There's a guy called the Pickle Man. The Pickle Man. I know the he, Pickle Man. Okay, well. I feel so out of it. He's a booker in Philadelphia. <laughs> and well, uh, he had gigs that uh, kind of went along with his name. At the end, he'd give you your pay and a big jar of pickles. This right. isn't Barney, and, right? This isn't Barney. This isn't Scarpatti. This is no. This is, uh, this is the Pickle Man. Man. He, he was more North uh, North Philadelphia area, but he yeah. would, he devised this thing, uh, um, a, a toilet, a toilet with pedals, and he would pedal a toilet seat uh, on, and sit on it. And he uh, he weighed about four hundred pounds and got surgery, and and he was down to about two fifty. And of course, the skin just hangs on like. Uh, uh, my 600 pound life and uh he would come and do these these horrible shows and he would uh i've had in his shows i had people come up on the stage and wanted to you know have a fight and stuff and any gig that we've done where they leave the tv on at the bar oh you, know, you can't have that you know how <laughs> sick we all are i'm sitting here listening to you guys describing what is maybe a hell gig of all time and i'm sitting here so jealous did I, I can't chime in. Oh, yeah, my time with the pickle guy. I haven't <laughs> even heard his name before. Now, was this well, you later after you I was son have been working for that kind of money, Jack? Yes, exactly. You, you some credit. So this is Jackie. after the I mean, show, I, like this is late yes, 80s. Yes, I counted the jar of pickles as part of my pay. <laughs> All right. Is he still with us, the pickle man? Yes, he's, uh, he's back in business and uh, he's uh, bringing him in. Bringing him in, he, uh, the yeah, pickle yeah. man. That's just he's still booking gigs here and there. I haven't worked for him in I don't know twenty years or so, or fifteen years. I thought you were gonna say three weeks. <laughs> if he called, I pick up the phone. I'll tell you that. But uh, yeah, he's still around. Uh, what do you got there? But that I was probably the worst, I guess. I, I, I mean, I've had some adventures going to gigs. Uh, I did oh. a, a gig with uh, I don't know if you knew uh, Chips Cooney. Chips Cooney uh, is a terrific New Jersey comedian. He is so he's one of my best friends. He is so bizarre and off the wall. And uh, anyway, we were going to a job in West Virginia, uh, he and I, and I, I drove and uh, it turned out the car that I had purchased from a friend of his had uh, problems with the uh, tank, a uh, uh, gas tank and the uh, trunk. And I opened the trunk up as we got halfway down there and there was gasoline floating in in my trunk. Oh, I got rear-ended. Yeah. Oh, would have been dead. And then we got stopped by the West Virginia police. I was driving and Chips at the time. He doesn't do it anymore. Uh, but he was rather inebriated at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever time it was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the cop asked us to get out of the car. So we got out of the car and uh, he's talking to the cops, talking to Chips. And he's obviously polluted. <laughs> and Chips said, He's as drunk as I am, officer. He was drinking too. So uh, we, we were <laughs> the first first guy to, to defend me. And I wasn't nearly as drunk as he was. And uh, I was drunk, but I wasn't that drunk. They actually uh, took us to the gig in West Virginia. They, uh, uh, wow. Our escort. And the cops went in and told the people there, if they give you any trouble, call us. And they were pretty nice, the cops in West Virginia. They actually... Uh, um, you know, escorted us to our gig some hellhole in West Virginia. I don't know. Oh, he's such a character. I I went. I go back so far with him, and every time I tell the story, I it takes on the way home today. I'll think of his name, 
before it was Chips Cooney. And I, it must have been very early on. I drove all the way to the Thunderbird Hotel oh, in yeah. Asbury Park or something like that. It was just one of these horrible, horrible gigs. I don't even, it was lower than Jerry Stanley or Jim Bellazzo. So I don't know how I got it. I drove all the way there <laughs> and I was staying in the hotel. So I got down to look at the room and there's a guy on stage with an electric drill. And I'm like, look at that, that, you know, they're assembling the stage before the show. And then I come down to do the show and it was him that the electric <laughs> drill was in his act. Don't ask me how. And what was his real Jim? His, his name, his birth name was, is Don Ippolito. Don Ippolito. Don Ippolito. That uh, I will never think of that. And I'm like, I thought you were a repairman. How, how did it? How did an electric drill find its way into anybody's act? I can tell you, he's got a steady gig now. He works at a place in New York City uh, as, a, as an act. It's called the Slipper Room. It's very avant-garde. They have like uh, topless dancers, and jugglers. And he does his bizarre stand-up act. And he's there twice uh, twice a month. He's got a steady gig there. And uh, the, the, the things that he does, he's very innovative. But... Uh, it's an acquired taste. Either you dig it or you don't dig it. Um, well, he does his most famous bit is the magic. Is right? the magic. Oh, it's where he's oh yeah, he's been on uh, lots of shows with that national yeah, shows. Yeah. Uh, America's Got Talent through Carrie Show. Did a lot of shows with that. And uh, the idea is that he does bad magic. Yes. And acts but, like. And the thing is, he keeps a straight face. He never lets it be known. He thinks right. he's. It's his friend. He's friends with David Copperfield, you know, I mean, close friends. And, and I'm very proud. One of his bits of bad magic I gave to him backstage at Rascals. He takes one, a snow globe. And oh, he and throws it to the audience. And shakes it. And it's, it's over it. And he shakes it and he pulls the napkin away. Uh -huh. And the snow, it's snowing in there. Right. I You'll be happy to know that's still one of his staples. He still is it? I, I gave that to him backstage at Rascals. The last time I saw him, he was opening at the brokerage. I went down there to talk to Otto about maybe someday doing a documentary. And I think Otto is the only person that could follow. I mean, his last thing he did oh, was he, it, somehow his pants were off and, his, and he had the, the crap stain on his pants. I was like, it was oh, male dancer. He's so the world's oldest male dancer, and he had the all the wires going into his chest to keep his heart beating. He was just—he's a very visual kind of guy. Yeah, you're right. He had to, so what was diaper. that? Bit? He did a bit about being a retired or an elderly Chippendales male dancer. Right, that's the one. And he would take off. They had the music playing, and he'd slowly undress and take everything off, and he had a big Depends diaper on. And he would turn around, and it was all. <laughs> but the shit stays on the back. And he's, I swear, I can't unsee that. He, I know. He was, it's taking, he was supposed yeah. to be elderly and out of breath, and, and he had uh -huh. oxygen. And he right. Takes, and the, oh, and he, he still does that. Strapped to him. So he he's finishes his act at Rascals, and he's pretty inebriated. <laughs> and he just he's just limping off the stage, and he gets down, and he rolls down the stairs. <laughs> and he cut his back on the on a sharp part of the stairs and had to get several stitches. <laughs> Luckily, it was that he was leaving his eye. He was done. And he rolls down the stairs. And Two by, years ago, by he any broke chance, a, I don't know if I ever asked this. Were either of you guys at Kelly Rogers' wedding? 
I was not. Kelly Rogers got married and I knew him, but I wasn't that close with him. But I, I guess I knew him kind of well from working the Fort Lauderdale comic strip with him. Yeah. And I know Bob Woods was there and Ippolito was there. There's a bunch of comics at this wedding, but Kelly Rogers was older and not a lot older than us, but he was like the youngest kid from, so he had very old parents. So the people at the wedding were elderly people. And, and they said, you guys, you know, everybody should get up and do a little bit. And of course, most of us were very filthy back then. I know I was, I was, so I just went up and tried to take it easy and went up and tried to take it easy. And Ippolito went up, he must've said fuck 10,000 times. And we were all sitting there like, our joy, we were again, like, you know, and, and I'll never forget this because somebody said, Don, I, I don't think it was Chip Scooney, like, Don, th- there's children in the audience. And Bob Woods went, fuck it, let them learn. Yeah. <laughs> I can still hear All right. I can still, I'm Kelly not, Rogers, not supposed to curse. But. Kelly Rogers, okay, a great guitar act. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rising Star, most of all. You can Google yeah. him, Facebook it was, him. He was and the MC for many years at Catch a Rising Star. Catch a Rising Star, and the late legendary Bob Woods, a Long Island comedian, who was known as he. How much do you think he weighed? Over three hundred. Uh, I would say, oh, yeah. but he would, you know, sometimes he would try to go down and go back. He was up. known as the Round Mound of Sound when he first started his act. The first five minutes were his names, you know, <laughs> the Lord of the Ring Dings. And, you know, he had a, just it was unending, unending. You know, he booked he, this room somewhere in New York. He, he booked a room, actually. And uh, he said, uh, you play your way out of the room. In other words, you know, you work if you bomb, that's that's up to you. It's a, <laughs> I forget the name of the gig uh, years and years ago. It wasn't like Betty's Fireside where Betty herself would heckle you. Uh, Are you talking you about Mr. Rips or Dubonet? That's it. M- Mr. Mr. Rips. It was Dubonet's and then Mr. Rips. It's right, right. That's the one. Now, you play yourself out of the room. <laughs> Mike, Mike. <laughs> Famously, for the comedians in the New York area, Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Connecticut, the worst gig ever is Betty's Fireside. It seems to be the consensus. The, That's the, the, the consensus. worst steady Betty's gig. I mean, Fireside. There were some horrible one-time-only gigs, but as far as a regular gig, for $65, you got on Route 180, and you get down to exit 59, get off and get in there and do it. Betty's sitting right there ready to heckle the shit out of you. And it was Again, a- I have never heard anything but what a hellhole, it was a- crap night, crap gig this is, and I am so jealous that I never worked You never worked? Because I can't join in. Now listen, it was a former strip club because there was the bar. Yeah, you, and then you performed the bar. There were you, that's where you performed, where the strippers used to. It perform. reminded me of the movie Sam, uh, uh, the the Blues Brothers, where they're singing "Stand by Your Man" and, and they're throwing shit at you. Behind. That's what that room was like. Just throwing shit at you, you know. It was tough. Stand by your man. Tough, tough room. It was, but Betty paid you, and you know she was there. Paid. I've never even asked anybody. Was there an actual? There was an actual Betty. Oh yes, yeah, Betty sure time. Yeah, she weighed about 87 pounds, smoking, chain smoking cigarettes, and just coughing and laughing. That's a legendary, did. truly legendary gig. Oh, yeah, Betty Spires. Now, of course, for all comedians, there's a moment when you say to yourself, I'm no longer going to do rooms where the bar is in the same room with the stage. 
because when the bar is in the same room, it's a, it's a recipe for noise and really disaster. I know early on, I think a lot of us make that decision until you get the next phone call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, exactly. That's right. I had a show out in the middle of Long Island somewhere, and I, uh, you might have been there, and Carol Leifer was on the show because she's oh, she said to me uh, over the years how she remembered that because this was a horrible bar in Suffolk and we were set up and we had to do the show. And I didn't know anything about hockey in those days. This is before the East Side Comedy Club and all along uh, the Islanders became our friends. And the, the, the game was in double overtime. And the owner said, you got to turn off the TV and do the show. You're not going oh, to go up and turn off the TV with the guys at the bar watching. And Carol Leifer to this day says, I never saw a pair of balls on somebody. But it was a long ride. We wouldn't have got paid if we didn't do the show. Carol yeah. was a great comedian, started the comic strip, dated Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, and Peter Bales. Rich Scheidner. Uh, and Rich was married to Rich Scheidner, right? Oh, did they get married? I think so, yeah. And a terrific comedian. Google her. She She's was. still around. They based Elaine from the Seinfeld show they on based Carol Elaine, uh, supposedly on uh, Carol Leifer. Well, yeah, she was on a couple of episodes. I never heard another really funny guy, Rich Scheidner. Really funny guy. He's got a one-man show going now that's great. Right. It's like the story of comedy or something. But after he and Carol split up or got divorced, I heard, he had one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. He said, let me tell you folks about getting married. When you're married, here's what it's like when you're married. One minute, you're standing, looking into the other person's eyes and saying, I want to spend every minute of the rest of my life with you. And two minutes later, you're in the next room saying, how can I fake my death? <laughs> I've, I've never forgotten that. What a, wow. And then you get married and it's like, he wasn't far off, you know. Well, okay. after the, my third try, I, I was convinced. Uh, Karen and I have been together 15 years, but we, we, we've decided to forego the marriage end of it. It's just been working. So, uh, now, you're playing a lot at 55 and older communities, correct? Yeah, they're young kids. They're, they're the kids. I know, middle I, age is a memory. I got to <laughs> tell you, though, those shows can be great. They can, and they, they can be disastrous. They the 80s. They, were, they know what comedy is. So you go to Florida to do those, or are they? No, no we, I do them up here. Um, there's, there's certain things I've learned doing these. Don't play rooms that are, are uh, uh, living-assisted rooms or silver care rooms, because those people face the wrong way. They cry in the middle of the show. They don't know where they are. They're sweet, but you know they wheel them in. They right. have um, you want they, you want to get the audience that are in those places that got in there on the skin of their teeth, like they're fifty six or something. Well, right. the ones the fifty five plus ones can drive and and the, the, you know, they face forward. Um, they're Chip, Chip Scooty told me uh, the best line to use. He said, "How many people here voted for Roosevelt?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's. that's Yelled out, which one? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Teddy. Right. Teddy, of course. Now, yeah, we do. Karen and I do the 55 plus around here. Uh, an hour show. I do 30. She does 30. 
Uh, she's more effective than I am, really, because they're mostly women. The guys have died already, you know, most of the, and, uh And she just loves to talk and chats with the women. And then I go up and do a little bit, and we go home, and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So and that's he's what, right. Now, where do you live? You live in Philly? Cherry Hill. I live in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill, right outside Philadelphia. Yeah, pretty much about 10 miles outside. And he's right. Uh, the, the 55 and over communities, great places. When are you going to get us booked there? I, we we, we I should, book everything. We should. You don't book nothing. We absolutely should do that. But they assisted living, where they're hooked up to all kinds of machines. I did an assisted living yeah. show, and the show was done, and it was decent. And as I was walking out to the parking lot, these two guys in white coats grabbed me to take me back to my room. <laughs> That's what How many people like comedy? It's a How bad caretaker raise your arm. It's too scary. That's great. Oh man, you are the best. We barely scratched the surface here. So now that you're zooming, yeah. how do you how do you like zooming? It's interesting. So sometimes you freeze. The camera freezes a little bit. I miss a word or two, but even when I'm listening, I miss a word or two. So, <laughs> These yeah. guys swear that even if it locks that what goes to tape doesn't lock. So we have an editor who does wonders with that. So no worries. Oh, oh okay. All right. But listen, you're never going to stop doing stand up, are you, Mike? Uh, well, you know, I'm sort of semi retired. I, I think I, I might have said it before the days of driving five or six hours to Pittsburgh, you know, to do a weekend. I'm just, I'm not into that anymore. Going down to North Carolina to do Myrtle Beach. I right, you taper off. No more two yeah. I Same with me. I drive somewhere and come back. Even if yeah. it's far, I'll drive, do a show, and come back. But I, I always say, people say, are you ever going to retire? And I would say, I'm retired until the phone rings. And then they make yeah. it, you want to do this? So you don't. And usually you say yes, because we all yeah. are so afraid. If you say no, the phone's never going to ring again. And yeah. I think you have to admit to yourself, deep down inside, you really love to do this. You really enjoy it. I mean, I hate every aspect of this business except sitting on the stage and doing the show. And I sit now because if I stand, I might fall down. So, uh, <laughs> okay. We would like you to do the show again, but next time with Karen. Would you guys uh, okay, do that? I'll tell her. I, I asked her if she wanted to sit in there. She said, no, this is uh, your thing, but she's funnier than I am. So uh, next time well, we do Next we'll... time, we love it some. We've had good shows where we have the spouse of the comedian, and we'll do that with your lovely girlfriend, Karen, who is also a comedian. Yeah, she is. She's funny. And, uh, she also does, uh, she's uh, known as uh, Sabra Cadaver. She does uh, tarot card readings and she gets a lot of work doing that, all that stuff, you know, uh, tarot cards. And uh, she can explain it better than I do. But uh, all right. All right. So we will definitely do that next time. Ask her if she's up for that. Oh, she would do it. Yeah. I mean, Mike has reminded me that my language and my thinking has changed now that I'm older in stand up comedy. I considering, I'm, I consider now, going to the next town from where I live, going on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. the truth, Mike, man. You yeah. are terrific and always funny and such a pleasure to talk to you and a real comedy warrior. I got to say one more. Oh, ah. Classic Catch a Rising Star t-shirt. I love you it. Betcha. I got to tell you one more thing. Years ago, we worked so many times together at Rascals, and you hosted the comedy, and the comedy hour. Then I hosted the comedy hour. And there was a joke that either you told me or we both knew. And you said, but Jackie, the joke isn't perfect because 
it breaks the premise just before the punchline. And I changed it just a hair. I'll get your email address, but I changed it just a hair. And I it wound up being the closing joke on one of my CDs. And that joke somehow cleaned up enough, got 1.1 million views on TikTok. And it's a filthy, it's the joke about the motorcycle. Tell the damn joke and we're out of here. The guy, uh, the guy is buying a used motorcycle from his cousin. And he goes to pick up the motorcycle and he says to his cousin, my God, your motorcycle is so shiny. It's like new. I know it's used. What's your secret? And his cousin says, it's very simple. I have a tube of Vaseline. And whenever it's about to rain, I coat the chrome with a little Vaseline. That way it doesn't rust, doesn't tarnish. And it looks like new. In fact, you're buying a motorcycle. I don't need this. He gives him the tube of Vaseline. The guy gets on a motorcycle. And he's going to his girlfriend's house, his brand new girlfriend. He's going to pick her up and they're going to go to her parents' house and have dinner for the very first time. So they go to her house. She gets on the back of the motorcycle. And on the way, she says, I got to tell you something. My family's a little bit weird. You can't talk during dinner because if you talk during dinner, you got to do the dishes. He's like, all right. <laughs> they get to her parents' house and the whole lawn is covered with filthy dishes. <laughs> kind of strange. And they go up and on the porch, the porch is full of dirty dishes. They go inside the living room, the filthy dish. They haven't done the dishes in months. Yeah. <laughs> they sit down to dinner, the whole meal, nobody talks. It's the end of the meal. He's a little horny and figures nobody's going to say nothing. So he takes his girlfriend and he pops her right there on the dining room table. Nobody says nothing. He's still a little horny. He looks over. Mother's kind of cute. He said, what the hell? He takes his mother and lies her in the dining room table and he bangs her. And he's just about getting done. And he looks out and he sees it starting to rain on his motorcycle. So he reaches his pocket and pulls out the tube of Vaseline. Her father jumps up and says, All right, I'll do the fucking dishes. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> now, what happened was I changed it so the guy had the Vaseline in his pocket because I think the way it originally was, does anybody have any Vaseline, which pops the premise because he would. Right, right. I remember. Yeah. 1.1 million. Well, so I don't, and I can't believe that sailed by the censors on, you know, if they popped her instead of, you know. Yeah, well, that's a great show. You know. Please share it with all your youngsters out there and your family. Mike, thank you. Mike, hey, my pleasure, guys. You're the best. Thank you Thanks, so right. much. Jackie, my the pleasure. Joke Man Martling. I am Peter Bales. This podcast is Stand Up Memories, and we will see you next time. Warn Karen next time. I will. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. Thank you.